Hello and a very warm welcome to the Big Bright Podcast. I'm Amy, the Marketing Executive here at Bright, and today we're going to be talking about all things Pride. June is Pride Month, the international celebration that honours the Stonewall Riots that uprooted America in 1969. These riots, led by gender non-conforming people of colour, such as Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera and Storme de Lavery, protested the constant police brutality against the LGBTQ community. It brought LGBT rights into mainstream consciousness and kick-started a movement for greater equal rights, justice and equality. Now, as well as colourful festivals and parties in the street, Pride is also a time for us to remember those lost to hate crime, to recognise the LGBTQ plus people who have impacted history, and to acknowledge the work we still have to do in securing equality for all. In today's episode, I'm chatting with my colleagues Barney and Zay. Barney is our product marketing manager for Dash, and Zay is our JavaScript developer who also works on the Dash team. We'll be discussing what Pride means to them, we'll discover some of the experiences they've had being LGBTQ plus in the workplace, and we'll explore ways employers and employees can become allies to those who find themselves in a minority group. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you very much, Amy. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining. As I mentioned, of course, it's Pride Month at the moment, and I think Pride means different things to different people. So to kick us off, Barney, I'd love to explore what Pride means to you. It is a celebration, but it's a time to acknowledge the diversity of the community as well. LGBTQ plus community spans all ethnicities, gender identities, religion, class, it's such an expansive community and I think Pride is a time to acknowledge how diverse that community is. It's also a really important moment to take stock to kind of celebrate how far we have come, but also there is so much work left to do and the experience of being LGBTQ is very different. We'll get onto this later, but there's some communities within this community who really need us to kind of show up for them and stick up for them. And I think Pride is a really important time to do that. I think also, just lastly, Pride is the antithesis of shame. So kind of on this celebration, at some point in most LGBTQ people's lives, they will have experienced some degree of self-assessment, self-shame. And the fact that Pride's the opposite of that is a really nice message. It's kind of like acknowledging where you've come and where you are now. That's what it means to me. Yeah, certainly. That's so interesting. And for Zay, what does it mean to you? Uh, Yeah, completely what uh, Barney said, because often people end up hiding themselves throughout most of the year. But for me, Pride, it's kind of magical, especially the party side of it that weekend. Over a weekend, LGBTQ people get to live like everyone else lives the rest of the year. Like you feel like you belong in society. You're like you're out in the streets partying and, and enjoying yourself and people celebrate you and everyone accepts you um, as you are without uh, having to go through, well, shame as Barney said, and without having to go through, you know, people questioning you or questioning who you say you are. So if you are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, people just celebrate you and you get to be yourself and, and enjoy. And also it's a it's a party with your friends, with your chosen family. And after such a long history of fighting for rights and like so much hate crime that still exists in the world, we get to show ourselves we get to be visible and there's no better way to be visible than to just like be happy and enjoy yourselves and like that old saying goes revenge is a dish best served joyfully dancing in the street covered in glitter and colorful feathers i think it's (laughs) an old fairy saying (laughs) 
100% agree. But I think that also highlights the fact that we do also have a lot of work to make sure that those people like in the LGBT community feel that way for the rest of the year as well, I think, by what you were saying there. So it's not just not just a weekend, but something we need to think about all year round. So Zay, you've worked at Bright for three years now as a developer. What's been your favorite Pride at Bright? Yes, two years ago, Simon organized a rainbow bake-off with a fundraiser for the Rainbow Fund in Brighton, which provide help for a lot of charities here in Brighton. It was really cool. And there's some beautiful cakes. And really tasty cakes, but especially beautiful because, you know, they're all rainbow. She got rainbow and trans flags to put on, on people's tables, which everyone had them, which I thought, yeah, that's really sweet. But the sweetest thing is that months afterwards, like even a year after, people still had the flags on their tables. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, I was walking around the office earlier today because I'm in today and yeah, they're still out. So yeah, it's really lovely to see. I was very touched by that. Oh, and that same year, it was the year that the Brighton Pride route was diverted because of some roadworks and it went right by the front of the office. Oh, lovely. I got to dress <laughs> covered in glitter in front of the office. <laughs> Sweet. So the tech industry is constantly growing and with it, so is its workforce. Zay, as a developer, do you think the tech industry does enough to support LGBTQ plus employees? Um, what's your experience with it? You see some of the biggest tech companies do quite a lot to support um, their LGBTQ plus employees like Google and Apple. They're very good examples of supporting diversity. It still doesn't happen everywhere. But yeah, you have some really good examples to follow. Part of it is comes from actually they're, they're having a LGBTQ presence in the companies because tech is an interesting industry because when people are growing up tech is something that they can do on their own away from other areas that can feel a bit oppressive like like for instance sports and and of course i'm talking from the perspective of a cis white man which it's really specific me personally growing up i hated sports so like i learned how to code and it's something that i can do on my own and on my own terms that can feel like a safe space for queer people i hope that nowadays it's different and uh, sports is also more embracing but uh, so because of that there's more lgbtq presence in the tech industry and also like when you work in an office individuality is appreciated and rewarded like people that need to dress up or wear uniforms or anything people just wear whatever they want it, yeah it leads to lots of individual expression and because of that companies like when they work with people they will support them for instance brandwatch a couple of years ago they released a report on hate hate speech and transphobia online it was an amazing report they're experts in that field in, in following like social media and stuff and as a way of supporting their employees they just started this project with with uh, with a charity yeah that's really interesting and going back to the online thing that you were saying as well obviously we are especially during like the last year in covid we have all gone like more online and especially for tech companies it's very important that they are supporting those online communities too and also calling people out online as well so i think that is very very important and the internet is a, w a great way to connect people people don't need to feel alone in the world anymore because you can easily connect with others around the world like you that's so true that's very true i think for most lgbt people especially growing up now or like at least in the past 20 years the internet has been a probably a lifesaver because it's meant that no matter where you are in the world when you're feeling alone and like you're the only person like you that's maybe feeling a certain way and you see everybody else fitting in the fact that the internet is there and there are communities of people like you out there 
that you can talk to who might just not be in the same town as you, I think has probably been transformative for a lot of LGBT youth growing up. So yeah, I think that's a really important point that Zoe made. Barney, could you tell us a little bit about your experience of being out in the workplace? Yeah, sure. So my experience has been actually largely fine. Most of my battles at work in being out has more come from internally within myself. So I'm sure every LGBT person will recognize this, but like when you're meeting a new person for the first time, especially in a work context, while you can get slightly nervous sometimes introducing the fact that you're a gay person, you're kind of like trying to suss out when to drop in that you have a boyfriend, maybe like when talking to work colleagues. And that's not necessarily a reflection on your colleagues. It's more a history of kind of growing up and you're not necessarily used to being able to talk about that freely. And if you do, you potentially face repercussions or some kind of prejudice. It's kind of unlearning that. I have had some people assume certain things about me or my interests after me telling them I am gay or that I have a boyfriend. But I think on the whole, for me, it's been largely positive. However, I realize I am quite privileged. I am a white, cisgendered, middle-class gay man. And I've also been lucky to work in industries which have been fairly accepting. So the fact that my experience of being out of the workplace is mostly just been me trying to overcome some internal stuff I've learned, that isn't necessarily reflective of the LGBTQ pluses community of being out and truly themselves in the workplace. In particularly right now, there's some real challenges for trans and non-binary people. There's a lot of misinformation and hostility out there. So it's not necessarily a kind of universal, it's fine right now. Going back to that, what you mentioned just now about unlearning the reflex to hide who you are and having a boyfriend and stuff. For anyone listening who may be feeling the same way, do you have any tips for them or any sort of advice you could give? For me, it has just come from as you get older, you're more confident in yourself and you're less well, hopefully you care less about what other people think. If you're in a position to be open and you feel like it's fine to be open about yourself, because that's not necessarily the case for everybody, but if you are, then I think it's more just the more you do it, the more you treat it as just a normal part of your life, because it is a normal part of your life, the more kind of experience of it being fine, then you kind of start to tip the scale a little. So those positive experiences or just when it's been treated like it should be as a normal thing, um, an important part of your life that you should be able to talk about freely, the more experiences of that that you accumulate, it hopefully starts to outweigh some of the like more negative experiences that one has experienced in the past. So Barney, in your opinion, why is it important to foster an inclusive workplace, both for the individuals and for the company? That's a really good question. And I think as you've alluded to in that question, it's not just about LGBTQ people, it spans all sorts of other communities outside of this. I think at the end of the day, it's about if you care about your employees' mental health and well-being, which you'd hope all companies do, then this is something that you need to be taking seriously because everyone has the right to feel like they can be themselves at work, that they can arrive to the office and just be authentically themselves. And I think companies might feel like, oh, we've got LGBTQ employees, it's all fine, like we don't need to do anything, we're clearly attracting employees to the workplace, it can stop there. And that 
sadly isn't the case for LGBTQ plus people specifically. So I was reading a Stonewall report that was published in 2018 about being out in the workplace. And there's some genuinely astonishing, quite upsetting statistics in here that uh, that I'm just going to quote at you. Yeah. (laughs) So more than a third of LGBT employees have hidden their identity for fear of discrimination. One in five trans people wouldn't feel comfortable reporting transphobic bullying. Almost a third of non-binary people wouldn't feel comfortable arriving to the workplace in clothes which reflect their gender identity, who they are in the inside. So I think that underlines that there is still a lot of work to do. Companies can't afford to be complacent with this. You can maybe make a slightly cynical point about there's been studies which show, I think it was a McKinsey study, which shows that diverse organizations are more profitable because you have more uh, diversity of opinions to draw on, diversity of thoughts and experiences. I think that argument is true, but it's definitely slightly cynical because at the end of the day, it's just about employees' happiness and their mental well-being. So like I said earlier, if you care about those things, this is something you should for sure be taking seriously. Yeah, I, I read this report and I found it genuinely heartbreaking. And I realized that my reaction to that was probably to do with my own privilege and naivety, to be honest. I'm a straight white woman and I feel like I have the responsibility to educate myself around other people's experiences and to understand experiences of marginalized groups. You know, of course, I'm fully supportive of the LGBTQ plus community. However, I know there are certainly things I can change and things I can do to further support my friends and colleagues. So this brings me on to the idea of allyship and how workplaces can better support their employees. How can workplaces better support their LGBTQ plus employees? Workplaces can offer training and support around diversity. There are a lot of little things that are actually quite simple that can be done, but often people are not aware of them. For instance, pronoun use. Just by people showing what their pronouns are, it's a very simple way of embracing everyone to represent themselves and let everyone else know what their pronouns should be so that they feel more respected and included. We make a lot of assumptions when we talk to people like, you tend to read like a lot of body language from people and, and expect things, but often you don't know about some traits. So just like by having that openness to for people to describe themselves and, and then accept them for what they tell you, like not trying to like gender them from what they look like. Like for instance, here at Bright, Caroline, the head of people, has been rewriting all the job adverts so that they they read more neutral and, and fully inclusive because language carries a lot of these constructs with it, which are like just society constructs. But just like, for instance, until recently, the default would be you use like male pronouns and male words. And that certainly happens in Portugal, uh, which by the way, in Portuguese and Romance languages are fully gendered. And it's very difficult to take those assumptions out of the language, but it can be done in English. So, oh, I'm digressing. <laughs> Caroline was rewriting the, the job advert so that whoever reads the job advert can feel identified with it and feel like they would belong in the company instead of just seeing it. What have often happens is that um, you read something and you have this idea that it's like a company run by and for like straight white men, for instance. So yeah, making it feel more open and welcoming. 
Yeah. From what I understand, they run them through like a gender decoder at the moment. So it takes out any of the masculine words. Things like competitive and challenging and stuff like that are quite masculine words. So just running it through that decoder to make sure it's not either too masculine or too feminine. It's trying to be quite neutral, which is very easy. You can just Google that and you can put your job ad straight into the decoder on Google and I think it will come up and it will give you suggestions and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think that's the key. This is, these things are really easy. Yeah, it's just like exactly. a little shift in, in mentality and just like, just a, as when you're walking in the street uh, and someone's coming in, like everyone shifts a little bit to the side and you give everyone space. It's like, it, it's not difficult at all. Yeah, exactly. Can I just comment on that though? Because that's a really interesting point that they made because sometimes companies might think of these big like diversity inclusion projects as a huge project and a huge policy and obviously you should have all of that in place but it doesn't necessarily have to start there there are some quick and easy things that you could be doing right now I'm sure which would make a huge difference to your employees yeah exactly and as they mentioned as well about the pronouns as well that can be just something that can be put on your email um, if everyone does it as well no one has to feel pressured into do it e- like in either way if everyone just had it as like a general company thing I imagine that for a non-binary person it can be daunting to just like have to out yourself and say that actually I'm they and them yeah I also mentioned this idea of allyship in Forbes allyship is defined as a lifelong process of building relationships based on trust consistency and accountability within marginalized individuals and or groups of people what does this mean to you and how can people build allyship with those in the LGBTQ plus community allyship is intersectional basically So this isn't just about how to be a better ally for an LGBTQ plus person. As a member of that community, I can be a better ally to other people outside of this community. I think it's definitely been a few years of that really coming to the fore, especially with the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter. Whilst all of those movements encapsulate different experiences, there are some really kind of key lessons that we can take from them and apply them to really all sorts of communities that we can better show up for. So I've written a few what I think it means. I think it means acknowledging that your lived experience is different to somebody's lived experience of the community that you're trying to support. Sometimes that can be difficult to do because it means acknowledging certain privileges you might not have even recognized before and how that affects people of that community. I think allowing space and kind of opening up the space for people within the community that you're trying to support and letting them share their experiences and having those conversations, that should really be treated as a privilege because it can be a scary thing for people in that community to do. So if they have taken the time and the mental energy to do that, I think it's really beholden on all of us to listen to their experience rather than judge them or tone police them. I think taking the lead from the community that you're trying to support is really important. So not dictating what they should and shouldn't be responding to and how they should be feeling, taking the lead from them if they're saying, actually, this upsets me and here's why. But also on that point, it's not leaving everything to the people of that community that you're supporting. It does take quite a lot of energy. So for example, in LGBTQ, the community, if I'm kind of raising an issue 
that I feel quite personal about or that I think affects me and that we should change. That does take quite a lot of energy and it can actually be slightly traumatizing for people having to, you shouldn't always have to leave it to people of that community to advocate for change. Like you can also take some of the burden. Often people have are already been like living like a constant uphill battle every day of their lives. And uh, it, it doesn't have to be always on them to have to change things. Allyship is also, it, it's about taking action and like calling things out even when there's no queer people around or black people or whenever you hear something that feels unfair it's calling it out because yeah when you put pressure on um, on people from those communities to be the ones to do it it's like their whole life is already that battle so it just didn't need <laughs> another one like in the workplace yeah that's exactly it that's exactly it that's a really eloquent point and you might have certain access to spaces that those people might not do and it's important that you carry that conversation into those spaces basically what they said <laughs> going back to what you said say about taking action even that when there aren't queer people around i think that's a really great point um i think it's very easy for us for all of us to fall back into the same behaviors the same sort of old thinking and attitudes that we've you know maybe grown up with you know you might be might trying to make this change in the workplace but you need to take that home with you as well not just sort of you know hide behind the tv or hide you know within the noise of social media or something and you've got to you've got to also in those spaces too in the spaces that you feel comfortable in to then make a stand for other people too in a, you're, you feel comfortable in a space and it's about making that space comfortable for other people that don't necessarily have the same but feel the same level of comfort yeah exactly barney do you have any recommendations for people wanting to know more about the lgbtq plus rights culture and history yeah of course there's a lot of resources out there if you are interested um that you can definitely support to name a few charities which are really worthwhile if you do care about these things stonewall and mermaids right now in particular um, with everything that's going on in the media need your support they do really valuable work switchboard lgbt foundation really valuable charities to show up for I think if you're interested in LGBT culture, I mean, it's maybe a bit of a cliche, but I think starting with Drag Race is a really good way to start. I think often we're used to seeing LGBTQ narratives painted with this kind of tragedy. I think Drag Race is a really nice antidote to that, especially now that it's international and you've got like Drag Race España, Australia, UK. It's a celebration of the diversity and the strength of LGBTQ community. And often you find the queens on Drag Race sharing and bonding over their history and their kind of past traumas that they've overcome, but also learning to really like be comfortable with themselves and turn it into art basically or art or comedy and it's a really uplifting and sometimes educational and eye-opening show to watch sometimes it's it can be problematic but i think that's probably the best place to start if you are interested in learning a bit more about what it means to be lgbt today they also find it really interesting about how like you see that what makes them different is what makes them so successful and amazing at what they do like the strength that they get from like different life experiences. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. Going back to your introduction on, uh, you mentioned the Stonewall riots. There's a really good documentary on Netflix I would recommend for anyone interested in that quite momentous period of history called The Life and Death 
of Marsha P. Johnson. Marsha P. Johnson was a trans person of colour who was a really pivotal part of that protest, but also she was a really inspirational figure for LGBT rights in America, but also around the world. So it's a sad documentary, but it's really educational and it's definitely worth a watch. So I would recommend that. It's on Netflix. Fantastic. Thank you, Barney. Yeah, I'll put some um, links in the show notes afterwards so people can check those out as well. Zay, do you have any queer figures that you find inspiring? Um, yeah, I'd have to say my my trans friends. Being with them, it's always shocking. The the constant battle that their life seems to be. For instance, my, my friend Emma, she she's amazing. And, and she's always really positive and really welcoming and, and, and warm. She's amazing. But then when I when I talk to her, like the, the things that she goes through on a daily life, sometimes they're just like heartbreaking, simple things that I never think about. And like, it's very inspiring. And also actually thinking about queer figures, but there are some figures that are not real and they never did anything for anyone, sort of mythical figures. Uh, one thing that I find really interesting is that throughout history and throughout the whole world, there are mythologies with the queer gods and goddesses and, and spirits and things, which um, I love because because it just shows how queer people have always existed throughout the whole of history. And, and in several cultures, they are part of the cosmic order of things. And you see them all, all, all over the world. Yeah, that's so true. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on and doing the podcast. Um, it's been such an interesting chat, and I hope it will be educational and enlightening for people as well. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Amy. That was brilliant. Yeah, thank you for having us, Amy, and happy Pride, everyone. Happy, happy Pride, Pride, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Big Bright Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and check out our website at builtbybright.com.